Hello everyone, and welcome to Everyday Theology. I'm Genesis 2 today, uh, using the King James Version. Uh, we got through the Bible, the first chapter yesterday. I wasn't expecting that. I was thinking we'd maybe get halfway through, but we got through it. So maybe we can get through Genesis 2 today. All right. Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay, chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. This is interesting, I think, because it says he rested, but he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, so he wasn't tired, obviously. He wasn't like, oh... That was a hard time creating that universe. I think I'm just going to take a little rest for a day, okay? I think everybody will be okay with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what does it mean when it says he rested? I mean, that's a good question because he obviously wasn't like he's tired. I think it may mean that he's just kind of enjoying what he made. I like that idea of the idea of that he was enjoying like we think of resting but that he just kind of stopped and took time to look at what happened so so you know like the idea of someone painting a picture and then stopping and just enjoying the picture yeah that may be yeah uh and it says and god blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which god created and made so apparently he thought that was a pretty, pretty important time, the resting, because he blessed it and he wanted to bring attention to that time of that day. I wonder if he's modeling for us. I believe he is. That's why in a lot of the law, in the law it says to sanctify the seventh day, keep it holy. Um, that's kind, that is where church, the Sunday comes from it comes from going to church on a certain day um, and you know same with the sabbath um saturday for uh the jewish faith they rest on the uh saturday i think it is an important day that uh, we should rest on that day in modern times it's kind of hard because we all have different works that maybe we work in retail where we got to work on weekends but i think if we could it would be most healthy for us to just set aside one day for the lord and and make it holy like he had it holy well and a lot of times god tells us to do things that are good for us and it's not like a uh, you know, someone just making up rules, but he's doing it for our own good. Like every rule that he gives us is for our own good. And it's almost like, he's like, you guys, you need to stop and slow down and yeah. make it about me. And that's for your own good and, and in, get out of that rat race. Exactly. And in the new Testament, it's explained like that. Jesus said, man, um, the Sabbath was, what was it? The Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Right. Uh, so it's not it's supposed to be all about these rules and stuff. It was about giving man uh, rest. 
Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Sounds like that was a long time. <laughs> but, you know, he, there was plants and they grew. But, I don't know. But there was a, there went up a mist from the earth. So it's like walking into the fruits and veggies section of the grocery <laughs> market with the mists. Yeah. You know? Well, I think the whole idea is that at this point, men didn't have to work for things to be there. Because we're going to hear about that later. How they the, the ground will like refuse and be hard. So this is... <laughs> you guys can't see this, but I just saw his face go, Oh! Because this is a painting a picture. So for here we see an earth that is fertile and man doesn't have to do work. And then later we're going to see what happens after the fall. Well, it says man didn't even need to till the earth. Because that's what I was looking at. There's It says there was not a man to till the ground because he didn't need to. Um, but there went up a mist from the face of the earth that watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul so what pops in my head is this living soul be, is this seems to be important because when the other things are created but there's no talk about this breath of life and living soul yeah so man has a very special place on earth uh, over all creation uh, that's a good point. I think what that's exactly what the author was trying to do. Just show that man is special in that sense. But I also think that maybe man coming out of dust is also important. Because it, yes. um, it's still part of God's creation and, and part of uh, where all this... Uh, tilling and stuff that needed to be done uh and verse eight and the lord god planted a garden eastward in eden and there he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground god made uh, out of the ground made the lord god to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil so I think that's just setting up the story for us. It's like... Pre- it's a beautiful, wonderful place to be. Every, you know, it looked good and it tastes good. And also, we need to know about this tree of life and the tree of good and evil. It's shown that they have a special part to play mm-hmm. in this story. Because they were specifically mentioned. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, that is, which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. There is Bedellium and the Onx stone, and the name of the second river is Gihon. The same is it that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. 
The name of the third river is Hittichel. That is it which goeth towards the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So right here we see that there are four rivers and you're able, if you lived back in that time, you would be able to find out where the Garden of Eden would have been located, an estimated area of where it may be. Because you have these four rivers, they know back in that time where they were, what they meant. Um, you have Assyria. Uh, well, and what I think of in this is he's saying this was a real place is the point of this, right? If you're thinking about what are they trying to say, they're saying at this point, like someone knew exactly where this was located. It wasn't this mythical oh, that's a good point. place. Yeah. So they're saying like the people then knew where it was and then it was guarded. And this is, I kind of think of it as like pre-flood after the flood is like game over, like it's gone. And like no one's going to know. The land would have changed a lot, I assume. Well, I think... No, I think this was made after the flood. Right. So they're saying where it was uh, post-flood. Okay. Uh, And they're saying it was right around this area where these four rivers meet. Because these are like modern... Well, for them, it would have been modern names. Oh, but in 15, it said God took the man to put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. But is that necessarily tilling? It's just different. It dresses. Okay. It's just like to take care of it, but it's not that um, that work. hard yeah. work. Okay, sixteen. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, "Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die." I don't know why he put the that tree in there but i i guess it's not um for the story anyways so i i don't think it's for us to know why he put the tree in there what the author is saying is that the tree's there and the man should not eat of it and that's all we as the audience should know and god said it is not good that man should be alone i will make for him an help meet for him and out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to all the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. What's interesting to me in this is... A lot of times we think of uh, domesticating animals and stuff. And this sounds like, I don't know, they talk about cattle right away. Like, that there was cattle right away. Like, animals that were meant. But maybe not. Cause... I, I think it's more of a vague term. Mm-hmm. It was like behemoth, like bigger animals. Okay, so it's not really... Uh, it's not necessarily something that's domesticated. Okay. I think what, what the author is trying to do is say that Adam is in charge of all the animals and everything on the earth. He was in charge of the garden. He was in charge of all the animals. He was naming them. Therefore, he had a oh. dominion over them. Just like, yeah. So that's we name our children. Right. And that's the way it was meant to be. That's the way God set it up. Well, and of course, I mean, God says he shouldn't be alone. And then by Adam seeing all these different animals is going to make him want to have like and then he ends up well all all that we know is that god said 
he it's not good for man to be alone and he needs to help meet <laughs> he likes saying that yeah help me m-e-e-t uh, he needs a help meet what it what does that mean exactly well i feel like he showed him all these animals and adam would have liked the animals but not connected he wouldn't have been able to like talk to them and so god like after he says all these animals i think it brought in a desire for something more like it wasn't quite what he needed but is it like a helpmate the the person that's being brought to him is someone meant to help him I think of it as companion. Companion? Yeah. Because all of these animals could have helped him. A helpmate. Oh. Um, but I see of it, um, and he says, like, flesh my flesh, you know. Oh, we'll get there. Okay. Yeah. Let's move. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he woman. And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This now, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she is taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. Well, it makes it clear if they're one flesh, like one isn't above the other. They're the same thing. They're yeah, just different. But a helper isn't necessarily someone who's under someone. Because, mm. like, the Holy Spirit is sent oh, to help. Very good example, the Holy Spirit. And, G like, you wouldn't pick one of them above the other, Jesus, God, or the Holy Spirit. And he does call the Holy Spirit. A help. Yeah, a helper. Mm -hmm. I'll send a helper. Either way, and the end result is it's no longer each is one person. Both are become one. So it's supposed to be a very special thing when a man and a woman, because right here, even before there's, like, they are the first mother and father, and it's like, therefore, this is why a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And it's just such strong language, the cleave. Like, they were supposed to, like, this being together in one flesh. is It's very intense language. Yeah, it is. It I mean, is. to talk about, like, you got to leave your mom and dad, which is, like, you know as a kid like the last thing you want to do is leave your mom and dad but that's a sign of you growing up and leaving and then you're cleaving on and creating a new you know family thing and that's what we were made to do and and in the new testament christ a lot of times or at, at some point he refers back it's supposed to be like in the garden where there's one man and one woman and they're together and so he re he refers back to this as the example of how it's supposed to be so it's a good thing to study and see what is the right way what's the way god wants everything to be how are the how is man supposed to act according to his environment we see he's supposed to have dominion um, how is he supposed to treat things how is companionship between a man and a woman supposed to be I mean, well because i know you like to have your black and white things and this goes down to the bare bones of what is was expected of humankind when god first created them just take care of the earth take care of the animals under you and you know become one you know cleave together all right thank you for tuning in listening on next time yeah i'm excited